Let's hold it up and let's uh, repeat our saying with us today. Uh, I'm a child of God. And I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Just turn to your neighbor and tell them how much you love them. <laughs> Hopefully it dripped with sincerity as they told you that. <clears throat> Continuing our series in Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 today, so open those Bibles back to Galatians 5. We're going to focus uh, verses 16 through 26 under the title, You Can't Do It, But He Can. How many of you believe that? I can't do it, but He can. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. There's a war going on between your flesh and your spirit. Your status of slavery to sin or your freedom in Christ. When you found freedom in Christ, the Spirit of God transforms every area of your life and you begin to exhibit fruit from that change. Now, I didn't say fruits, plural. I said fruit, singular. The reason. The flesh will lead you toward legalism and lawlessness. The Spirit produces fruit and freedom exhibited in godly living. Again, I was just taken aback by a production of a Bible story, but at the end how they led into an invitation, an altar call for people to come and to find the peace and the grace of God. And they just said it without any, there was, they weren't ashamed at all to say it, which is what Romans 1 teaches us, right? Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So I was proud of that. So in those Bibles, let's, uh, in Galatians 5, we're going to talk about testing today. The testing that comes from the battle between the flesh and the spirit. But if you really want to talk about being tested, about having peace in your life, or patience, or self-control in your life, you need to have kids. And once you have kids, you'll get tested. And if you don't believe it, Ask those that do. Or those that have gotten the boomerang kids. uh, Grandparents raising the kids. Grandkids. Uh, One thing that Cindy and I noticed is how, how quiet our home life was for a while. It's not quiet anymore. I have two grandsons that they just seem they need to be loud. (laughs) They just need to be loud. One in particular. He just, he wants to make sure. And when he's an old grumpy Gus, he's not any fun at all. Gets up from his nap and you say, how are you? That's what I get back from him. 
So if you ever want to have peace and patience and self-control, just, just have kids around. If, if I asked you if you'd like to be more loving, kind, patient, gentle, you'd probably say yes. Is that fair? Can you give me a nod to the head? I mean, really, who wouldn't? When I die, I want people to describe me as somebody who had those types of qualities. But I'm afraid that when I die, I'm going to get accused of being like Cindy. Accused me last night of being mean to a waitress over in Branson. And I was, and I apologized to her, and I pulled her aside, and I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I should not have spoken to you like I did. She says, it's not a problem, sir, not a problem. That was nice. But I still shouldn't have said that. I should have checked myself before. You see what I'm saying? So we all struggle with this, don't we? We all do. The fruit of the Spirit is what identifies you as a follower of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit. An unfruitful Christian... Is a contradiction. An unfruitful Christian is a contradiction. I have one of our church members who faithfully has told me, I don't have a spiritual gift. <laughs> well, I'd always say, exercise your spiritual gifts. Well, I don't have one. Yes, you do. Everybody has a spiritual gift. You do. Now, because you've never exercised your spiritual gift doesn't mean you don't have it. One of the hardest things I have to I have to do today or any day is to stand up again. It's hard to stand up on feet that don't work right, that her bones are all messed up. But my trainer told me, he said, you can't let your legs atrophy. You've got to get up. Oh, sometimes, like last night, was one of those nights when the, the feet just, ugh. Poor old Cindy wants to shoot me with a harpoon or something. I know she does. Bless her heart. And I tell you, you talk about somebody who loves you when you're not lovely. That's my wife. She has loved me when I'm not lovely. Which isn't very often because I know most of you just love me because I'm so lovely. But you understand what I'm saying, don't you? I'm going to give you a few scriptures to prove that a Christian, an unfruitful Christian is a contradiction. In Matthew 7, 16, it says, you will recognize them by their what? Here's, here's plural. Matthew 21, 43, the kingdom of God will be given to people producing its fruits. John 15, 5, I love this verse. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he... It is that bears much. John fifteen eight. By this my Father's glorified that you bear much and so prove to be my disciples. So you see, bearing fruit is what we're supposed to be doing. People should notice difference and differences in us as Christians. They should. We're the one faith group right now in America that's being persecuted. We are. Christians are. 
And it's going to intensify and get worse. How do I know that? Am I a prophet? (laughs) Jesus said it was going to be that way. You see, you thought you signed on for the fluff, didn't you? Well, I'm just going to heaven, man. That's the only reason I'm in this thing. Nobody told me about having to go through stuff. Oh, yeah, you're fixing to go through some stuff. Some of us may have to die this life, die for that very cause of being a Christian. Guess what? You have a direct route. If you die for being a Christian, you have a direct route to the throne of God. Ha <laughs> ha. That's what Revelation teaches. Now, I'm not necessarily saying, well, let's all go out and look for somebody to kill us. I'm not not saying that. But if that should come, you never know. You just never know. The proof that God has entered into your life is going to be that there is fruit that is outwardly seen. Not only inwardly, but outwardly seen. Now, look at verse 22 of chapter 5. But the fruit... Singular of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nine of them. There's nine of them. It's very important to understand that preposition of, because this is not fruit that we produce, it's fruit that the Spirit produces in us. Again, singular. This list is not exhaustive. This list is a type of characteristic that the Spirit produces in us when we choose to plant and root ourselves in faith in the soil of the Gospel. When it comes to producing the fruit of the Spirit, here's the bad news. You can't do it. But just as quick as the good news, God can. God can. And I'm here to tell you that He wants to do do that. He wants to produce in your life this fruit that we just read about. Just though, I mean, if we didn't do anything but those nine that are listed there, whoo, what a what a blessed person we'd be, Amen. And the people around us and the blessing they'd receive. I can't, but through Christ, God can, Amen. So before we start through. This thing a little more in depth, I need to kind of lay some groundwork for you in what Paul's thinking here. Because if I just go through and define each of these nine gifts, fruits of the Spirit, or fruit of the Spirit, and explain how the perfect Christian exhibits all of these, all you're going to hear is at the root, you're really a bad, proud, and self-sufficient person. But the Bible says that you need to be more loving and kind. I mean, that's what you're going to hear. But I want you to hear much more than that. I want you to push past your pride and your sense of self-sufficiency, which is really defined as legalism. That's what it is. People have to act the way you want them to act. Be the way you want them to be. Hmm. I was riding my scooter over in Branson at the at the breakfast um, that the hotel provided. Real nice breakfast, by the way. Very nice. 
So many people, though, because I was sitting on a scooter, wanted to help me. I must have looked like I needed help. And I don't even know that it was that. I just think there was a kindness about people that we tend to forget. And then there's some people who just walked right out in front of me like I didn't even, like I was not even there. One of, this, one of the things this has taught me is that I need to quit being so <clears throat> upset and be grateful. And be grateful. And that's one of the best ways to push legalism away from yourself is to be grateful for what God's given you and the place you find yourself. You see, because if you carry on pride long enough, despair will arrive. I don't want you to hear from the message today, do better, be better, live better, because that's never the message of the gospel. The gospel is never try harder and God will be pleased with you. Just tighten your spiritual belt. Don't do that. The gospel is look to Jesus and His ability to save, sustain, and sanctify you and the ultimately in you to produce fruit in and through you. It's done. It's not what I do. It's done. Remember the Galatian, the Judaizers were telling the, the uh, new, new believers, hey, not only do you accept Christ as Savior and be baptized and walk a new life, but... <laughs> You need to add these other things too to really be saved. I don't want you to leave here with action steps on how to be a better person or to cultivate a change in your life. I want you to leave here with a worshiping heart toward the one who can and has and does change your life. Paul's desire in Galatians is not that you'll learn some new manners. It's that you'll be a new creation. Grounded in the roots of faith in the soil of the gospel so that you begin to bear fruit and the Spirit through you bears that fruit. So let's get the full picture of what's going on. And to do that, let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 5. And along the way here, I'm going to give you some key words. Some key words. In Galatians 5, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul's whole message through the book of Galatians can be summed up in one word, freedom. And that's the key word number one, is freedom. There in verse 1. Most of us understand it. We've been saved from something but very few understand that you've also been saved to something. Christ freed us for freedom. But even as Christians, we have a tendency to always run back and submit again to the yoke of slavery. Well, I know God can, can deliver me from that, but He probably won't. So, I just need to keep doing this. One of our dear members used to always say to me, "You know, God doesn't worry, so I have to for Him. <laughs> that sound like you? You know, God doesn't worry, but I'm going to for him, so make sure that he gets it all covered. I think God can cover it if he needs to. I've been married 41 years, and with my wife's approval and acceptance of me, her love for me, 
And it's based solely on the things I do for her. That's why she loves me so much. You're supposed to laugh. That's not true. Yeah. I've, good, Don just woke up. All right. Praise God. So one day she wakes up and she says, I just don't think you've been loving me enough, so I'm going to need, need you to tell me how sorry you are. Take me to dinner somewhere fancy tonight and be more kind and maybe I'll love you back. Or she might say, you haven't been very patient with me lately. I should buy, I should buy, uh, you flower. I should, I should buy me flowers and rededicate your marriage vows to me and then I'll accept you back again. No, she loves me because she has the freedom to love me. Cares about me because she has the freedom to care about me. She worries about me. She's afraid I'm going to fall. And the problem with it's, the problem is not me falling. The problem is with me getting up because she can't do anything to help me get up except stand over me and say, "Get up!" You know, so. I don't even have a big dog that could pull me up. I've got a little bitty dog that's eight pounds. So she could lay there with me and sleep while we were laying on the floor. But when you're constantly trying to please God by your works, here's the point. When you're trying to constantly please someone else, even God, with your works, that's called slavery. See, when you're trying to show God how great you are and how faithful you are and how wonderful you are, through the little things that you do that you think are really important, God's not impressed. He is flat not impressed. What He's impressed with is when you see a guy that, that can't give you anything in return and you still go and help him. And oh, He sees that. You see, slavery is not intimacy. Fear is produced. The fruit of fear is produced in that type of spirit. So when you're constantly trying to please God by your works, that's slavery. And when you're constantly trying to produce fruit because you think you're only here to learn how to be a better person because God only loves good people, that's slavery. God's not going to take you to heaven because you're a good old boy. What does that song say? He's a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. <laughs> I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with women that do. I, God does not impress with that. See, slavery, and some of you have felt slavery. You've let fear trap you. And you've tried, oh man, you have worked hard to live better, to do better, and to be better. God is never pleased with me. I just need to do more. And if I'll just do more, I'll, he'll, oh, he'll turn, it'll turn the corner. I'll get a breakthrough and whoo, He'll answer my prayers. Those are the calls I'm getting from an older person consistently. And her thought is, if I could just do more. If I could just... God is not listening. I'm crying every day and God's not hearing my prayer. God is not listening to me. What's well, because you're going around in circles? You're not giving God anything to work with. 
What you need from me is not more instruction on how to please God. What you need from me is how to be more intimate with God. See, if I never cultivated my love for Cindy, why why would it grow? I remember when Don and Kathy Baker had an anniversary up here and they had a cake and a little surprise thing for them and all that. And then all of a sudden, she goes over to him and grabs him and hugs him. And they start kissing back there in the fellowship hall. And I thought, somebody get them a room. My goodness. I mean, it was, they were, it was ugly. And they were lathered up on each other and just, blah, 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 blah. But you know what else that told me? They didn't care who was in that room. They were just going to love each other that in that moment right now. And not be afraid to express it. I love it. Psychologists will tell you, if moms and dads will show affection toward each other in front of the children, guess what? It teaches them. They get it. They get it. Freedom comes from knowing and in knowing that everything necessary for you to be saved and everything necessary for God to be pleased with you has already been accomplished by Jesus at the cross. It's already been done. I'll wait. It's already been done. One more time. It's already been done. (laughs) That's what Paul's battling against. A bunch of folks who are do, do, do. Something actually refers to in chapter 1 as another gospel. Remember? The entire purpose of the book of Galatians is to clearly distinguish between the gospel of Jesus and this false gospel where they try to fix everything themselves. You can't fix it. It's been fixed. You just got to surrender. Get those hands up and surrender to God. Turn loose. Let go and let God. That was the old phrase from years and years ago. Let go and let God. That's what you got to do. Because there's nothing you can do to help the situation. Now, let's jump down to verse, uh, verse from verse 1 down to 13 to 14. For freedom... for. Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to yoke of slavery. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the key word two here, number two, is the flesh. It's up there. Flesh does nothing but want to please self. Now, this is a little bit cheesy, but what's in the middle of the word sin? I. I. Well, they said there's no, there's no team in I, or there's no I in team, I should say. I. That's what sin is. Sin is all about me. John 6.33 says, The Spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing. Martin Luther used to say, nothing is not a little something. Nothing is nothing. So, the context that we're working with here, Paul's saying, stop trying to prove yourself to God and to others by doing and doing and doing. That's slavery. Stop operating in the flesh, which profits nothing. Remember, you're free in Christ. Remember, you've already been accepted and loved by God because of Jesus' sacrifice. 
And it's through that lens that we can now properly understand the fruit of the Spirit. So let's jump down to verse 16 to 17, where Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, which is key word number three, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you doing the things you want to do. You ever felt like that, a tug of war going on between you? I got to do good, but I can't do good. I want to do good, but I don't. I, I find myself not doing good. Ah, it's a battle. Every day it's a battle. Every stinking day it's a battle. And sometimes you get up and fight the same battle. Sometimes you go to bed fighting a battle, and you get up the next morning, and this battle is still there waiting for you, going, Well, you want to get back with it? <laughs> All it is is competing desires because sin wants to win. And what you've got to do is do what the Bible encourages you to do and crucify. Crucify that flesh. Crucify. Kill that flesh and say, No! 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 Much easier said than done. Flesh will always lead you toward legalism or lawlessness. Legalism treats God like a cosmic vending machine. As long as I do exactly right, I get God. It's do, do, do in the strength of self. I cannot overstate to you today, you can never obtain salvation through your own effort. Because your own effort comes from flesh, and your flesh cannot please God. You just can't do it. You can't get here from there. And the problem with legalism is your bar is always too low. (laughs) You'll never be able to do enough. Just when you think you can, you'll meet Christians on steroids. and Oh my goodness. And legalistic Christians are the worst. You You don't know what the opposite of fun is? It's not boring. The opposite of fun is a legalistic Christian. Because they just walk around like this, looking. Like they're speaking in tongues. And they get this finger up, and that old gnarly old finger, and they're ready to point that thing at you and tell you exactly what you're not. You can't bring coffee in here! Spill on this carpet and make it dirty. We'll get a paper towel and clean it up. See, that's what I haven't quite understood. People will bring a drink in here to drink and they'll spill it and they'll go, uh-oh, and they walk away. At least they have the courtesy to go get some paper towel and clean it up. You're probably not going to get it all. But do the best you can. Don't just leave it. That's why we've said, if you're going to come in here, just bring water. That's worked real well for you guys. Just bring water in here. (laughs) So let's just don't worry about it. We'll just clean the carpet periodically and here we go. Legalism. Lawlessness. Paul Tripp said this, The grand delusion of every act of sin is that we can be disloyal to God in everything that's going to work out in the end. There's people who live like that. You know, hey, I, I'm a Christian. Well, I don't ever see you at the church house. Well, I don't need to go to church to serve God. 
Nope, you don't. I don't need to go to church and be a Christian. Nope, you don't. It doesn't hurt you though. It wouldn't hurt you. Kind of reminds you of why you're here. Well, a bunch of hypocrites down at the church. Well, come join us, man. You're going to fit in fantastic. Well, all they do is ask for money. Well, what are you doing with yours? You hoarding it? I don't have anything to give. Sure you do. Time, talent, and treasure. Come on now. You got something to give. You could pull weeds in a flower bed, couldn't you? Come give that. I love our front flower bed. Half of it's been de-weeded and the other half still. They haven't got back to do the other half. <laughs> but I appreciate whoever did that first half, man. It looks great. Lawlessness always leads to dissatisfaction and destruction and ultimately damnation. Both of these are just forms of fruitless faith. Legalism can never produce fruit because it tries to earn salvation by holding a law that it can't fulfill. Lawlessness can never produce fruit because it tries to live by a false freedom that always pulls you back into slavery and never satisfies. So when you choose to gratify the desires of the flesh and to plant and, the, and plant the roots of your heart in the flesh, you end up producing what Scripture calls the works of the flesh. In verses 19 through 23, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. And they're evident because in most societies, this is what you normally see somebody who's cultivating the fruit of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. Idolatry. A.W. Tozier said, idolatry is worshiping anything other than God. That includes yourself. Includes yourself. That's a tough time of year for me because I love the game of football. But I haven't been able to watch that much football with other circumstances going on around me, and that's okay. I'm learning Paw Patrol, though. Man, I'm no Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol, I'm telling you. How can a three-year-old win over me watching a football game? Well, I don't know, but Paw Patrol is, seems to be the, 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 the viewing of the day. Sorcery, witchcraft. You know, the, in fact, they're coming out now saying there are Christian witches. Can't be. Can't be. But the gullible world says, wow, that's fantastic. Because they're so shallow, they don't have a clue. Go read Deuteronomy and you tell me that witches can be Christians. When they're condemned in Scripture. And they're going to put a hex on our Judge Justice Kavanaugh. And while they're at it, they're going to put a hex on Trump. Everything always comes back to Trump, doesn't it? Poor old man can't even breathe every day. I guarantee you, he is not a perfect man. But he's God's perfect man for right now. I've never seen so much godliness being promoted from Washington and from the White House. I just can't. It's just blowing my mind. Mike Pence was here in Tulsa just last week. Did you know that? Our vice president came into town. He called on everybody at the Tulsa rally to pray. Get on your knees and pray for our country. Wow! Man, I agree with that. Amen? 
We need to be praying for our country, praying for our leaders. Yes, we do. Even the ones we don't like. And that's most of them. I don't care what party you're in. How can they go into go to Washington and make a hundred and some odd thousand dollars a year and leave their millionaires? Hmm. I wonder how. Witchcraft, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Galatians five fourteen. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Drunk, drunkenness and orgies. Orgies is tied to drunkenness because it's less than sexual immorality and more about an attitude of I'm giving myself over to this desire. Ever been a part of an orgy? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Ever been a glutton or a drunkard? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. And these things, keep reading, and these things, just in case you missed any of them, and these things, and things like these, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Distraction, destruction, Damnation and dissatisfaction. That's what the deeds of the flesh will give you. Remember, these are works of the flesh. Deeds of the flesh. It's not a list of how bad people are. Here's what. It's really a list of what sin will make you do. We're all guilty of the things that were listed as deeds of the flesh. We're all guilty. You can find one or two in there that you've practiced, might be practicing still. We've all tried playing the root of our hearts on the soul of flesh and learned that it will only lead to dissatisfaction. If I just had a, you know, coming <laughs> driving back from Branson to Tulsa, I saw the big uh, signs out on the highway of the uh, Powerball and multi, you know, the... The, the the lottery. Well, the problem is the lottery's at one billion with a B, and all the signs say million, so they've got nine hundred ninety nine million. Because they they'd have to redo all the signs to put the put the word billion up there. Our niece's husband works for Quick Trip. Yesterday, I believe it was yesterday or day before. When was the when was the big drawing? Right, oh, so Thursday. Thursday, he, he, he sold $5,000 worth of lottery tickets in four hours. You want to know where the money's going? They're trying to get that billion dollars. And after, if you take the cash payout, it's $545 million. And then government gets 40% of that, and that's what you get to live on. I know you're going to struggle. I know you're going to struggle. And I know, I know that each one of you, when you win that, each one of you is going to tie to the church. I'll go ahead and say it for you. Can I get an amen? Oh, you're lying through your teeth. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> that would be fun, though. Wouldn't it have that much money? And breathe a tie check to Brother Gary. We'd have to carry him out of here on a stretcher, I guarantee you. But that would be fun, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be fun to have the kind of resources that you could impact the kingdom of God? Wow. Man. You see, you and I can't do it. It's already been done. Spirit always produces freedom and fruit. That's why Paul says back in verse 18, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're not under the law. Under the law, the Spirit is is about internal heart change. The law is all about external behavior modification. The Spirit wants to change your heart from the inside out. He wants you to be different the way you look. He wants to make that happen. Outwardly, He can't do much with you, but boy, on the inside, He can clean that up. He can make you a sweeter, happier, nicer person. The Holy Spirit can do that. If you let Him. If you let Him. You are saved by works, but... Not your works. You're saved by the work that God's already done through Christ at Calvary. Paul's not, is, Paul is going to help us understand the difference between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 when he says in 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, how are you going to fight those? How are you going to fight against them? If a husband and a wife are treating each other the same way, with these nine characteristics, if they're practicing their marriage with these nine characteristics, man, you're going to have the greatest marriage you've ever had in your life. I'm going to outdo you. I'm going to do better than you in all of these. Woo! God knows the more you are taken with the Gospel and with Christ's beauty, and the more you will want to do the things that God has called you to do, and He'll want, you'll want to capture and maintain and hang on to the freedom that you have in Christ, and the more the Spirit begins to produce fruit in your life, the joy that you'll have will be unbelievable. You see, you need to understand that you're redeemed. You've been born again. You've... You've been crucified with Christ so that you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. I'm, you need to understand that you're a saint, uh, one of the elect, one of God's chosen people. You're a member of the body of Christ. You're an ambassador for Christ. You're His workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works. You've been declared righteous. You're no longer a slave to sin, but now you're a slave of righteousness and a servant of the one true God. You're not only a servant, but also a friend of God. I'm not a son or a, I'm also a son and a daughter of God through faith. I was once dead. Now I'm alive. Hallelujah. That's who you are. Live that way, folks. Live that way. And it'll help change the way you read, but the fruit of the Spirit is. When you believe that, you can become loving toward others, loving even toward yourself. Those eight characteristics are so critical in our life. That we develop them. And we learn to walk by the Spirit. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We need to walk by the Spirit. You have two options with the flesh. Gratify or crucify. Gratify or crucify. In verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with it. Follow it. Be guided by. 
So, the obvious question is, how do I walk by the Spirit? Let me quickly tell you. There's no perfect plan for me to tell you how to walk by the Spirit. When you see people on stage performing, you'll see a lot of them now with earphones in. Okay, they're not only listening to the other musicians, but they're listening to technicians who are saying, giving them instructions in that ear. So how talented can a person be who's singing away, listening to somebody talk in their ear? But that's what they're doing. That's the same illustration I want you to get. I want you to put on the spiritual headphone so that the Holy Spirit can talk to you. And He can whisper in your ear, Hey, 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 here's, here comes a good opportunity. Hey, here comes a, uh, you can say a good word over here. Hey, you got a good deed just coming up on you. You gotta listen. You gotta begin to hear the soft promptings and the whisperings of God and begin to apply them in your heart so that you're able to turn and help people. <coughs> Always remember and declare what's been done in your life, not what's yet to be done. What has been done. God gave you, forgave you, God has loved you, God is protecting you, God is lifting you up. Fruit of the Spirit is not about achieving something, because you can't anyway. It's about knowing someone and His name. His name is Jesus. And when you speak that name, Jesus, you'll experience freedom and fruitfulness and become a pleasing Aroma to the Almighty God. Father, I ask you this morning that you'd move among us and Father, you would touch us. We'd sense your presence. Help us to develop the fruit of the Spirit. Help us to be more of what you need us to be. Because it's not what we can do, it's what's been done for us. And may we learn to accept it and grow in it out of an attitude of gratitude. If there's somebody here today that needs to know you, needs to make a decision, would they? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have a decision to make, would you, as we stand and sing this great song of faith?